0: I, I will never forget the time that uh, we turned on the TV in like the training center that we were in in the middle of like BF Kazakhstan just like <laughs> and they turned on a Kai Rock game and I'm literally like looking at the TV and I'm squinting because I'm like there's I'm, like I must be seeing things I'm, like is that fucking Andre Arshavin <laughs> <laughs> and it was Everyone, welcome to Hardcore Football. Uh, I'm your host Phil Baki, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Mika Burrell. Mika, uh, how are we? How are we doing?
1: Good, good. Uh, it's Thursday, so I think all the European football has been played by now, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, short of UEFA starting another competition tonight. Start of sh- yeah, and, and- if they and- start
1: a fourth <laughs> tier league, then I'm I'm sorry, but. <laughs> I might have to retire from hardcore football.
0: <laughs> All of the second division champions in Europe will play in. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the yeah, I think, I think we're good. I think we're through <laughs> the European fixtures and uh, gosh, like they certainly gave us quite a bit to touch on in this round uh, for being match day one. Uh Both competitions, you know, the main competitions uh, and the new UEFA Conference League all served up some some talking points.
1: Oh, yeah. It's been a really exciting round. Match day one, as you said, of just the group stages. But I think to this round of fixtures felt different because you, you saw across Europe, for the most part, fans are back. Yeah. And I mean, that's obviously the best part about it. So, yeah, it's been really
0: enjoyable adding adding to the chaos um but the um before we dive in um just uh if you're finding us for the first time um hardcore football uh and we're on twitter at hxc football and on all the major podcast platforms you can find our episodes and uh i wanted to shout out before we before we started mika we uh we updated our look a little bit on social media um green last season uh season two uh we're we're coming in with a a new shade
1: yeah yeah i mean so the black and green i think is like the og look like i don't think that will ever be like retired right so fear not you know sassuolo fans out there Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah no we mike pendleton of course came through with the like, magenta, like, hot purple look Mm -hmm. on on the black and white, and it looks really sharp. Um, uh, Yeah, we had someone, who was it that? replied and i think it was pat staley who replied to us with the the purple crown and that's exactly what i was going for this is royalty baby <laughs> <laughs> These two. royalty
0: uh, hour ro- royalty hours here
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no it looks great it's just nice to you know put a little fresh coat of paint on things and switch it up every now and then and yeah. the logo is just so nice that like honestly it'll look good with any color so yeah. thanks mike
0: Real. Um, yeah, you can follow Mike, uh, at fat seven deuce. Um, he is, um, really good for, uh, anyone who's a Tampa Bay Rowdies fan to follow, but he's also a, uh, just big into like data and, and some nice little uh, logos and stuff at the uh, lower tiers of American soccer. So, um, so definitely give him a follow. He's, he's, he's a fun one, but Mika, I mean, This was all about and this episode is is going to center on Europe. And I mean, no better place to start than the Champions League being back like (laughs) the anthem, the (laughs) stature of the clubs. And in the shadow of like the Super League drama over the summer, the Champions League coming back, like did it did it meet that that classic Champions League feel for you in this in in this round?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of just straight chaos factor, for sure, I think you saw <laughs> a lot of uh, interesting results, shall we say, um, some unexpected ones or expected ones. If yeah. you expect chaos and you were happy. Um, but, yeah, um, it's 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 knockout football, right? Knockout European football. It can go either which way. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, deflections, mistakes, <laughs> refereeing decisions, I mean, mm-hmm. all of it. Uh, and then of course, skill tactics, all of that was on display in match day one.
0: So we, we kick off the group stages and, uh, let's, let's go to, let's go to Catalonia. Uh, Hmm. so Barca hosting Bayern Munich and, and Barcelona did not have, um, a match this weekend due to, uh, Spain's, uh, decision to postpone their La Liga match, um, which was to be played this, this past weekend. So they are welcomed back into uh, the club football window by Bayern Munich, um, who were fresh off of a, uh, another win this past weekend and uh, continued their fine form with a, a pretty easy win in the end against Barcelona, not the contest that you would expect, like traditionally from Barcelona in the Champions League group stages.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it ends 3-0 to Bayern on the road. Um, And this was the first Champions League match in the post-Messi era. So um, it went about as well as could be expected, which is really sad uh, in, in a way. It's really sad that this type of result isn't surprising for Barcelona at the moment. Um, And actually, I think it could have been a lot uglier, um, if not for some nice stops from Ter Stegen. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, getting into the game, Bayern's high line was there for the taking, for a better side. But Barcelona are just too slow. I mean, this is the thing that, this is what dominated the match for me, was just Barcelona just so pedestrian. Yeah, Nobody was making runs, and when they were, they just weren't fast enough. Uh, Luke De Jong, I mean... First of all, I was shocked when he even, when Sevilla even signed him, because uh, he was always a player that struck me as, you know, being at his level, mm-hmm. scoring lots of goals for PSV in, in the Eredivisa. So for him to end up at Barca, like, what a come up. Yeah. But I'm <laughs> not, not sure if it's deserved, to be fair. Um, you know, and contrast that with the pace of Bayern Munich, right? Davies, Sané, Uba Meccano, Napri off the bench. I mean, it's like no comparison. Um and, you know, to be fair to Barcelona, they do have quite a few injuries. Ansu Fati, of course, Ousmane Dembele perpetually injured, Sergio Aguero yet to make his debut for the club. So, you know, I guess those are some mitigating factors, but I, I never really saw Barcelona getting anything out of this. I wasn't writing them off quite as hard as others were, but, I mean, this isn't really shocking. Um, and, I mean, what sums it up more than that footage of Jordi Alba just completely gassed on the bench? Yeah. Um, and a- apparently he was sick. He was, he had a fever and, uh, Kuman <laughs> decided to play him anyway. So, um, wow, just not a good night for, for cool airs out there. And, uh, Byron just
0: pretty much roll right through him. How, um, how much of this goes up to, like, if you had to tip the needle or tip the scales, like one way or the other, who gets more of the credit slash blame? Is this about Nagelsmann, Nagelsmann's Bayern being just flying at the moment? Like they've ever since that opening day draw to Munchen Gladbach, that's they've mm. been like unstoppable <laughs> practically. Um, or is it about Kuhn and this Barcelona side just not being what Barcelona? Was like what would you attribute it more to?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I would probably, if I had to pick either, you know, if it, pick a side, I would attribute it to just Cumin and the way this Barcelona t- the state this club is in. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not gonna go over all the problems there. I think sure. everyone knows well enough by now. But I, I don't. I don't think Barnes did anything really special to win the game, other than just, you know, it. <laughs> They're Just a better side at the moment, more depth. They, you know, a better built squad, a better run club, a young, talented manager. Mm-hmm. I mean, just they have everything going for them. By and do they've recently won the Champions League, you know, the right. you know, the before Chelsea did. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just feels like a fair result for both sides. Barcelona, I mean, I, I don't know. Apparently, the, the latest out of Barcelona now is that they are considering sacking Ronald Koeman um but that would be quite an expensive endeavor indeed i think his termination clause is something like 12 million euros so um
0: Barca you don't got the facilities for that big man like no
1: not, <laughs> not at all i mean it's it's just I, I don't know it's tough times for Barcelona for sure yeah. um i think if they can get through the the group stage without embarrassing themselves too much, then that'll be a win. But I I don't expect them to go much further in the competition. Honestly,
0: it's, it's really crazy to be having that sort of conversation because I was listening to stadio earlier and Mm. Musa on stadio. We love the, the, the guys at stadio part of the, I think part of the inspiration of starting this podcast in the first place, but absolutely (laughs) Musa, Moose has laid out the Europa League as a as a realistic target for Barca this year which like he's right but it sounds insane (laughs) to say that like he expects them to end up in the Europa League which means they would have to not make it out of the group like
1: Uh, I mean if they can't if they can't do something with Benfica and you know with Kiev then that's yeah, that's a bit much. I don't know that. I don't know that I share Musa's sentiment necessarily. <laughs> I, I think they'll make it out of the group, but I guess it depends on on whether they can get some of their players back. Yeah. Um, but I mean, on the other hand, I wonder if the Barcelona fans would welcome like a nice little Europa League excursion. <laughs> I mean, they might be able to run through those teams a bit better, although may, maybe not because Europa League has a lot of talent. Europa League
0: is stacked.
1: <laughs> Indeed. Wait <laughs> so- until
0: Barcelona run into the likes of West Ham.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah yeah
0: no there that, are some that's, some quality that's funny. but no yeah. the uh i do i do want to give some credit for sure though to Bayern because mm. the thing that's impressed me about this team first of, first of all is the fact that under nagelsman jamal musiala's uh development seems to have almost accelerated which seems crazy to say because he came on in leaps and bounds over the last year but he is a starter like he's keeping Serge Cadabri out of this team right now which is insane like true Serge is no slouch by any stretch and he's not playing and then on the other side Leroy Sané who was written off by many has started this season quite well so it, it it's it's a really interesting impact that Nagelsmann's had um with a couple young talents Musiala I think is like starting to show signs of like maybe this is maybe this is the guy in terms of like a generational I, I don't want to use that term too lightly but like a very yeah. I mean we're you know talking among, among one of the best young players in in Europe right now
1: Yeah and you know it's it's a good point too because I think the hiring of of Nagelsmann was more, you know, more intentional than it might look on its face. I think, you know, people who maybe aren't familiar with the Bundesliga or whatever will will see, oh, okay, he's the best young manager in the league, and he's not at Bayern. Bayern's going to get him, right? Like that's the easy explanation. Yeah. But I think I think it's a bit more intentional in that you're seeing these younger players make up the Bayern starting, you know, starting eleven and the squad. A lot of old heads have moved on. Boateng. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alaba,
0: yep.
1: uh, Javi Martinez. And so I think that the squad and the coach are kind of moving in the same direction, if you will. Uh, and so to see Musiala thriving under Nagelsmann, I'm, I'm not that surprised really.
0: Yeah, um, He's unlucky and, not to score actually in this one. He yes. hits, hits the post on Lewandowski's first, I think.
1: Yes, yes. And they hit the post like three or four times. I mean, yeah. really, this could have been ugly without the post intersticking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> another um, another eight <laughs> right. another eight shipped by Barca.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, I mean, you know, we I think we can't ignore the fact that Nogsman's taken some players along with him. I mean, Upa Makano is up by right now and, yeah. and uh, Sabitzer, which was still bizarre to see him come on. Like, I just he's such a great player. I, I thought for sure he'd be headed to the Premier league, but he he's in Munich now. And that, that Byron squad is just really impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, and they've, you know, in typical fashion, they've, they've added depth, um, despite themselves. So, um, yeah, just a, a dangerous proposition that in the competition this year, Barca, unfortunately unable to put up much of a fight. Um, and it, it's funny talking about the old heads of Byron because, or the, the young guns, because the old heads, it's Lewandowski and, and Muller on the score sheet as, right, yeah. as I you mean, were.
1: <laughs> Muller always scores against Barcelona. I mean, it takes a wicked deflection off Eric Garcia's ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then um, Leva's third, uh, the, the third goal, I think scored by Lewandowski where he like completely puts PK on his ass. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean I think a, a lot of disrespect put on Lewandowski's name for people who don't, who don't watch the Bundesliga and they're like yeah. oh he's you know a tab in merchant this that, and the third yeah. like he doesn't deserve a Ballon d'Or. watch this goal. Yeah. He's not just a <laughs> right place right time guy like that no. that patience that composure. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it gets a little helped off, help off Araujo kind of like you know carrying off him but I mean <laughs> yeah. just to have that patience in the box I mean he's world class.
0: Yeah. No, and, and and a professional performance from Bayern especially on the road setting them well on well on their way um on on even on match day 1. Um let's head to Switzerland though.
1: <laughs> let's let's.
0: <laughs> so the young boys uh now Coached by American David Wagner, who was famously uh, you know a member of Jurgen Klopp's staff, and then uh, at Dortmund, and then moved on to to Huddersfield, and uh, he and then to Schalke. Unfortunately, but he's he's landed at Young <laughs> Boys in, in Switzerland, and they host Manchester United and come away the winners with a late Jordan Pifog goal. The American.
1: Yes, lots, lots to like here for our fellow Americans to be
0: fair.
1: <laughs> Um Yeah, look, I, I don't know that this happens if Manchester United don't go down a man. Um,
0: what do you think about the, the red for Juan Basaka?
1: Yeah, straight red for Aaron Wapasaka, like short at the half hour mark, or just shortly yeah, thirty five
0: minutes, yeah, thirty
1: five minutes. It's a horrible challenge. Yeah. Um. On on Martins Pereira uh he stomps on his ankle while lunging trying to get the ball. I don't think it's on purpose, but I mean obviously intent is not the question here. Right. It's it's a red card all day for me. Um yeah. and uh yeah, then he then he's off and, and there's space to exploit for this young boy side who to be fair to them, even before the red card they were not showing Manchester United the the respect that you you know these young boys might. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they were physical, they were aggressive. They were really feeding off the home support. Yeah. Um And yeah, I thought they were really, really just impressive. And I mean, <laughs> what a back pass by Jesse Lingard for <sighs> the winner. Absolutely brutal. I'm I'm still not sure what he's trying to do. I don't know if he's like going for the hair or what, Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he comes on for Cristiano Ronaldo who had scored United's lone goal. And, um, it's just absolutely brutal yeah. <laughs> and then MP Fox is, does really well to stay on side there mm-hmm. and, and pounce on it and finish really well. So um, yeah, love to see
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, obviously like the, the red card has a, ha, does have a huge impact on the match in terms of United's ability to like get on and, and, and try to, to get out and attack. But the bottom line is in the opening 35 minutes, United have two shots, one of which was a goal. And, and, you know, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo has early days at United. He's been scoring by the bushel, but he has been scoring like,
1: uh, I mean, it's not a good strike, let's be honest, but he's he's very good at making keepers make mistakes. So I guess that's a skill (laughs) in and of itself,
0: but those two shots, uh, were it. And in 35 minutes, even, even, you know, when it was even strength young boys only allowing two shots to Manchester United in over half an hour is pretty good. Like yeah. for, for a team that included, you know, Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes, Jaden Sancho, Paul Pogba and Donny van de Beek. Like
1: they only right. fashioned
0: two shots in half an hour. So that like that, there's a lot to be said for young boys at even strength and yeah, at no point did they seem content. Even after the equalizer, it didn't seem they weren't content to sit back and I mean they end up like I think they had like 17 shots or something like that. They I mean mm. they really tried to press on and win the game. And it is a bit, you know, it's it's unfortunate for Lingard for sure. Um I mean, I said in the opening episode of the season that I didn't think Lingard was an option at center back. I still don't. <laughs> um but yeah I think um yeah unfortunate for Jesse Lingard having done so much for him for his own personal uh stock right last season at West Ham and to go out there and and essentially like I mean it's hard to disconnect the fact that I mean they literally lose the game because of this because of this moment um right. and I just think that's going to be so tough for for Jesse Lingard to bounce back from um, despite the fact that essentially United couldn't sell him this summer because he became too expensive based on his performance at West Ham,
1: right? Yeah, it's ironic in a, in, a, in a golden cage. Yeah. Um. I mean, adjacent to the red card. I guess my question for you, Phil, is when? When do we get to start asking questions about Jadon Sancho? Because he's he sacrificed for Diogo yeah. after the red card. So you know, I I don't. I don't miss I don't, you know, put any shit on him for this game necessarily. Sure. It only lasted half an hour, but he's appeared a few times before now for United and I feel like we're not hearing too much about him. What what are you, what do you make of that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird one. I think like I think everybody expected him to burst on the scene and it's actually it the Ronaldo signing has kind of like overshadowed his whole like Introduction. Um, not to mention maybe Ronaldo's Manchester goals.
1: United are to blame for that because they had like eighty plus tweets about Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and they tweeted like, I mean, they did the whole Jaden Sancho like he's home or whatever. That whatever lasted that for like two days. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it just all the marketing aside, like Jaden Sancho just feels. I know in the last game or in the game against. Yeah, in the game against Newcastle, there were a lot of people remarking on the fact that like Jaden Sancho was brought in to to fix like United's attack down the right. (laughs) Yeah, and he's being played on the left, so he's and he's playing like his. It's just it's not it's not functioning like in the way that it's supposed to. And he also put
1: the you put the lukewarm start on on Ole then.
0: I I think so. And I think it's not the first player that we've seen like st- kind of stutter under Ollie as well. Like there there's been these like younger players that haven't necessarily burst through or have burst on the scene and then not progressed. Mm. Um and Jaden is in that he's in that window of that a similar window to Marcus Rashford who again uh well I guess he's He's out injured now, or, mm-hmm. um, but Mason Greenwood unused substitute, um, and I guess the red card may have may have played a part in that. Anthony Martial comes on, Sancho Sancho comes off because of the red, but Donny Van de bake was also uh, he was he came off at halftime, I think. Yeah. So yeah. like we got forty five minutes of Donny Van de Beek, who's been in you know whatever Oli jail for the better part of a year. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's just, I think questions have to be raised about is Oli Gunner Solskjaer like getting the best out of these players? Cause he certainly has like a ton of talent at his disposal. And there's been games that, I mean, it's all clicked for United. Like obviously, you know, the Leeds match at the beginning of the season is a perfect example of like, they are talented and there are, they are going to take some teams apart but it just feels like it's very reliant like on the individual and i don't know that the system that he's built has emphasized the strengths of the players that exist within it
1: right yeah and i mean i you know to be fair i've said before on the pod that maybe it's okay that that Ole might not be this tactical genius and and if he can manage egos and keep people happy then maybe it clicks cuz we've seen that before right we've seen that kind of thing Win win big trophies for the likes of whatever Carlo Ancelotti, Zinedine Zidane, and, and the yeah. like. Um, but I don't know. Always he's getting a little spiky in the media too. I mean, they asked him about tactics this week, and he's like, "I'm I'm not going to explain every detail of the game to you." Which, like, fair <laughs> enough. You don't have to. But you know, I always I always think of all this as this like jovial kind of character. So it's right. it's kind of interesting to see him under pressure a little bit. But yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think it's early days for Jaden Sancho, but um yeah, I I don't know. He I I was expecting like this huge like immediate impact, um yeah. but maybe that's not fair. I don't know. I, I just remember how people gave Nicola pepe shit for his starts, so. right
0: right <laughs> no, I kinda i mean i'll i'll also I'll throw gareth south- Southgate in the mix too, just in terms of like him not playing over the summer and not getting mm, you know like true. I don't know how much that impacted his his confidence in terms of not really getting games for England and um very true so yeah i think there's I think there's a number of things at play, and I mean at the end of the day like despite the fact that Jaden Sancho is english he's essentially playing in the premier league for the first time like he's he came from an academy but he's like adapting to life in the premier league just like any player coming from the bundesliga adapts to life in the premier league so um yeah i know there are like questions being asked of like did he go too soon but like i think i think it's way too early to to know um because who knows in the next few weeks he could it, something could click, and it could be fine, but um, yeah, it's just been a little bit stop start from from jaden and and well, a lot more stop than start so far,
1: yeah fair enough
0: um at at go foot twenty one grant sunberg he asked when is david Wagner going to coach the u s men's national team
1: <laughs> uh I think it's too early for for david uh I think he's very much interested in in coaching in in Europe for the foreseeable future, and and I don't know that I've never heard if he's had aspirations for, for a national team job. So mm. I mean I I like the idea, but let's let's give it a little bit of time. He you know coming off that that Schalke devastation, I think he needs a club job or two to get him back in, in uh, thoughts for a big job like that. I think.
0: I gotta say I obviously extremely pleased for Jordan P Fox scoring the scoring the winner. Um, and you know, for a U.S. international to, to grab a goal on a big stage like that against a big club like United is, is really cool. But I also felt like a warmth for, for David Wagner who's obviously endured a lot like Huddersfield's relegation and then going to Schalke and living through that just absolute shit show. Um, trying to keep trying to keep that afloat and so for him to to land such a significant victory for a club that you know i think is considered a relative minnow can, you know compared to um a lot of the clubs involved in the champions league for him to get that win in front of the home fans and be able to celebrate i just i just felt like a warmth for him and just like yeah just like feeling you know just uh yeah him him getting a moment like that was just really was really cool
1: yeah, do you get deja vu watching him cuz he celebrates just like Klopp does. He uh yeah. he ditched the glasses just like Klopp did. I was wondering <laughs> if they went and got lasik together. They are BFFs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems like they it seems like they planned this, I don't know. Um yeah, but no, it was a it was a cool moment and and yeah, I guess uh hopefully hopefully David David Wagner continues to to enjoy his time in, in Switzerland and um, who knows, maybe young boys can, can make a little bit of a run. Not, not the easiest group to do so, but
1: true, <laughs> true, true.
0: Um, well, we got to talk. We'll keep, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it with the premier league teams. Um, a replay of the 2005 and 2007 champions league finals, Liverpool, <laughs> against ac milan and uh it wasn't quite istanbul uh or athens but um liverpool three ac milan two and uh little little bit of a weird one uh overall but what as a as a neutral mika uh what what did you make what did you make of this uh of this opening group stage match for liverpool and, and milan
1: well, I mean, this is the one that I think neutrals had circled on the calendar. Two great European sides—a quintessential great European night at Anfield—and the crowd was rocking, um, and and it showed in the way that Liverpool play, played. I mean, their pressing, their intensity was just way too much for Milan in that in that first kind of phase of the match. Um, I thought it was interesting that the the side was pretty heavily rotated. No Virgil yeah. Van Dijk. De Vaca Rigi starting and plays of Sadio Mane, Um, just a lot of big calls by Jurgen Klopp, and uh, it ended up being pretty similar to how a lot of match day ones in the in the Champions League have gone for Liverpool over the past couple years. And then you know a lot of chaos, a lot of goals. Um, So it was it was as a neutral really entertaining. Um, You know, on the AC Milan side of things, I was really excited for them to for them to make their return to you know the Champions League since 2014, I believe. So. Um, you know, they're one of the, the great, uh, Champions League clubs. Yeah. Uh, I think Alexis Salamarkers after their go after their first goal, I think he pointed to the, the Champions League badge in the celebration. And, yeah. you know, that was really meaningful. You saw Milan fans crying when they were, you know, they had equalized before halftime. I mean, it, it meant a lot to their traveling support and I'm sure to the support at home as well. Yeah. Um, but Yeah, I mean, it was just a really entertaining game. I'm sure for yourself and Milan Vance was probably a lot more stressful. So tell me how you lived through it.
0: I, so I'll be honest, like, I think we're used to, there are those games at Anfield where you, you feel as a Liverpool fan, like, that the crowd is actually. Making an impact and it, it did Feel like that in in the mm. opening Stages of this one Milan felt Felt odd like They were awful Like for yeah. a a While in this match like they, Truly dreadful for about half an hour Like um could,
1: Shook, You might
0: say yeah like it really it, And it felt that way like it felt <laughs> Like the occasion had completely Overwhelmed like eight or Nine players on, on Milan Um yeah. Which, you know, not to, and it's not to make light of it. Cause it does happen. I mean, it happened to Barcelona in <laughs> two years right. ago. So, but the, the, the crazy thing I think throughout this is, so obviously, uh, well, it's a, it's a Tamori own goal that it goes down, but it's a Trent Alexander Arnold, like run and, you know, whether he meant to cross or pass like, or, or shoot, you know, either way, um, it's in the back of the net and it felt from the, from there. It's like, oh my god, like we're about to just like embarrass AC Milan, <laughs> like it. And they they had Liverpool had plenty of opportunities. Um, I thought, as you said, like the press was working, like was working a treat. Um, I thought Origi actually was effectively pressing a lot and winning the ball back high up the field. Um, but there were a couple opportunities that a had early on that maybe, maybe he puts away, they get the penalty for the handball. Um, and, f- and there I'm thinking like, okay, this is basically like the start of the route, like game, <laughs> set and match. And uh all steps up against Mike Mignon, who had joined, who obviously joined AC Milan from, from French reigning French champions, Lille. Um, and Mignon, uh, makes the save on Sala, which it was like his first penalty that had been saved in like, I think since he joined Liverpool, like he's maybe missed one other penalty.
1: Yeah, it was. And is that the same sequence where he gets up right away and makes the rebound save? Yeah.
0: Jota, uh, was, was sprinting in and makes a diving header at yeah. the near post that he also keeps out. Yeah
1: yeah and he he's able to to jump up from having dived to his right get set then make that second save i mean yeah. i i tweeted about it that night you know i just am so pleased for mayon that he is introducing himself to the rest of the world because obviously he he was a league champion with with leo last season, but i think his his exploits in France definitely went under the radar, but they were a he was a big reason why Lille won the won the league and got his big money move to AC Milan. And I think really he's on course to be one of the best goalkeepers in the world um, and probably should be number one for France. If not now, then soon Uh, he was excellent Um, on Milan's goals though. Is it harsh to say that Joe Gomez looks suspect on both of them? (laughs) Cause I just felt like Joe couldn't decide who to go with. And at the same time, was kind of like ruining the offside trap, especially on the second one. <laughs> I felt like his he and matt Matips their understanding was just off. I don't know. That's yeah. how I felt.
0: So I I will uh I will say that yeah Gomez gets his first start um back with the team in like well over a year. Um and True. alongside alongside Joel Matip, who spent most of last season also hurt. <laughs> so um they haven't played as a pair that I can remember in, in quite a while. Um, You know, it was primarily Gomez and, and, and Van Dyke who were playing together prior to the injuries. Um, So yeah, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's harsh to, to say that Gomez, like there's questions to be asked for sure um, on both goals and they come about in kind of a similar manner and they're going they're also going down i mean it's worth mentioning as well like they're going down alexander arnold's flank as well um yeah true and so um the way that we attack the way that alexander arnold's like role is not a typical fullback like not he's not employed in you know in the same way um I do think it leaves Gomez a bit exposed, but yeah, there there's a moment right as the balls played through for Rebic for the first where Gomez does realize like, ah shit, like I've dropped a little too deep and he steps up and it's, it just shows like the fine margins that the games played at, at that level where if he makes that step like a quarter of a second earlier then VAR probably rules the goal out because Right. Rebich would have been off. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's stuff that will, will definitely work out in time. And I think, I think overall, like the decision to start Gomez in the first place in, in place of, of Virgil van Dyke comes down strictly to Klopp is really like cognizant of the congestion and like how much, how many fixtures are actually going to be played. Um, and I think at the end of the day, like he, and that's where you saw the rotation across the squad, and the likes of Nabi Keita and and Joe Gomez and um, and Di- Divacarigi getting getting a game in a big opening night Champions League uh, home match. It was all down to um, the fact that we know we're going to turn around and play this weekend, and then <laughs> you know turn around right. and play midweek, and um, so and with Virgil Van Dijk, you know, essentially playing he played his first, he actually like picked up a minor injury on Netherlands duty, like having come back from his long-term injury. So I think Klopp's just trying to be extra careful with him, but yeah, Gomez may be a little bit suspect on both goals. Um, luckily that was the moment. That was the low point, I guess. Luckily right. Liverpool come out of halftime and, and there was a shaky moment right at the start of the half where I, they almost concede from a corner in like yeah. the opening minute of the second half. Um, luckily it it was offside and and all of that but um then it was uh it was it was Mo Salah's turn to get them back in the game and equalize um and then uh captain's goal like felt very vintage uh like Steven Gerrard uh from Jordan <laughs> Henderson from the edge of the area on the half volley
1: yeah nice nice finish to be fair it's not easy to hit that half volley and Jordan Henderson's not prolific by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination, so it's a really important goal. Um, I don't know who said I think I was listening to The Guardian or something. Someone said, you know, he's not a great goal scorer, but he scores great goals. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely right. Um, it's a very important one. And the, the celebration was kind of spiky. I don't know who he was <laughs> cupping the ears for, or maybe he just was, you know, enjoying the, the sounds from the, clop, or yeah. the cop. But, uh, yeah, nice winner.
0: Yeah, he, uh, he loves a, an angry celebration. He does. Um, yes. He, he always is just sprinting back towards midfield. Most often this one, he started more calmly and it turned into the, you know, fist, fist pump, punching the air and yelling like fucking get in or whatever, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Normally, he's, you know, he's doing that from the start in his celebrations. But yeah, he's quite the the angry celebrator. Um, But in the end, like a game which obviously I think Liverpool will feel like they deserved to win. But it's still like it still serves that reminder that these games are not. Like, there's no team that is going to be totally played out of a match. Like, you can, if you switch off for a second, like, any of these teams are good enough to punish you. And that's exactly what happened. And it happened in, you know, twice in quick succession for Liverpool. Um, so I think it it honestly probably serves as a good, just like, wake-up call, I guess, in terms of, like, it doesn't matter how in control of the previous 40 minutes you've been. If you fall asleep for one you can be suddenly down two goals to one.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and this is a, a group of death. So I think if that if you get that wake up call on match day one, that's that's a, a luxury I would say.
0: Yeah, no, and and I feel blessed that Liverpool have come away with the three points because that easily could have could have stagnated at some point. And it does, yeah. you know, I think the crowd and and the team certainly the quality they're able to bring in late on um, play a part, but. Um, yeah, luckily Liverpool make it out with all three points at Anfield. Uh, so let's talk Brugge PSG one, one. This was a match that was characterized by tweets beforehand. One of which may have originated from the hardcore football account. (laughs) Talking about how like imbalanced this was to have this PSG side like starting and it's just like pure violence against this <laughs> poor little poor little club from Belgium. Um, <laughs> this match turns out to be not only like a fight back from Brugge, but they gave PSG a game.
1: Oh, it was an absolutely spirited performance by the Belgian champions. And I did say before the match, you know, pray for Club Brugge. Cause <laughs> when that lineup dropped, it's just like, y'all, they really did it. The MSN. Yeah. Like Mbappe, Neymar, Messi. Yeah. Um, I think, though, Club Brugge showed the perils of that, which is imbalance. Um mm-hmm. And you know, first on Club Brugge, I mean, I just wanna say they they much like young boys, they really didn't show much respect to PSG. Um, a lot of young players up and down this lineup, uh, mixed in with some old heads here and there. And I was just really impressed, especially with Vinaken, uh, the captain. He was of uh, just a thorn. Yeah. In in PSG's side and they kept getting ripped open over and over on the counterattack. The midfield totally left exposed by that that glamorous front three, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh yeah. It it was it was a really interesting game to be fair. I think Ando Herrera, if I'm not mistaken, gets the first goal. Yeah. It's it's a nice individual play by Mbappe to get the ball uh, you know, to him and it is behind him. So it's a harder finish than it looks.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a really good finish from Herrera. <laughs> it's his really fourth, nice goal. It's his fourth goal for PSG already.
1: Yeah, man, you buy Messi when you had <laughs> Ander all along. I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like Pochettino's found the secret to unlock Ander Herrera. <laughs> like where was this form, you know, at United or <laughs> before he's just like yeah i these late runs i don't know mika yeah. that's like your favorite thing he's made oh, he's I making love, the yeah. late runs
1: the late runs into the box are just the best <laughs> uh, and he does that um and yeah it's a really nice strike but i mean vanaken like i said he he was a thorn in their side and i think he scores the equalizer if i'm he not does. mistaken and uh yeah i mean just this is another one that I think could have been potentially a bit uglier if Killer Navas wasn't Killer Navas. Cause yes. he was tested all night long. Um between Vanaken, Noah Lang, Charles Kitteler, like they were just
0: <laughs> yeah. going
1: at it, bearing down on their goal at every at every opportunity. Yeah. Um and and like I said, I think this PSG side is just too unbalanced. I don't know what it's gonna take to to make it all work together because I mean to be fair Messi hits the crossbar and so if that goes yeah. in maybe we're having a completely different conversation but um it do- it doesn't and you know they they leave Belgium with a draw uh yeah. and that's not going to be good enough if if results like that continue for for Pochettino's men.
0: Yeah and I think the one I really liked the composition of both goals yeah. um v- stuck out to me and and the Brugge equal equalizer just it does take a deflection Kempembe like dives or like had slid and it's kind of on yeah. the turf and Vinakins finish finishes low and it and it does carom and and carry like higher into the net so there's a debate to be had there but the thing that struck me about Vinakins finish is this is a player who plays in the you know the Jupiler. <laughs> super league or whatever in Belgium week in and week out. And he's playing one of the, you know, most expensive clubs like ever assembled a, a team that includes Lionel Messi. And when the ball cut is cut back to him and he runs onto it to finish, he looked absolutely like calm, like as, as cool as you like, like he didn't look phased <laughs> at all. Um, And that just struck me as like, The occasion of that moment and thinking like this is our best chance maybe to score like you don't know how many chances you're going to get against a side like PSG turned out a bunch. They had they actually fashioned way more opportunities than PSG did. Um, And uh, but in that moment to be so calm and to finish so coolly for a guy who has just been like plying his trade. For a very solid club, but a, you know, solid club at a, at a lower tier than like what a PSG is able to, to assemble. Right. It's just, it was just so cool. And then to, to turn around and yeah, force Kaylor Navas into making six saves when Simon Mignolet at the other end only had to make three. <laughs> and I mean, credit to Miggs, he makes a couple of nice, a couple of nice saves, not, not anything crazy spectacular. Um, but yeah, I think like you can honestly say both looking at the the eye test of watching this game and the stats, you can say that Brugge are actually a little unlucky. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and on on the topic of Simon Mignolet, he came out in the the press afterwards and said, "Yeah, you know, I made like two saves" Really, just me i don't know like he was not <laughs> not bothered at all by it yeah um and and so yeah i mean again just no respect shown to this super club psg um and yeah i i really enjoyed this one
0: yeah some really some just really great performances in there and and um yeah. If you haven't seen any of this game or any of the highlights around it, like go back and watch the highlights. Cause it is, I don't think we're overstating in terms of like Brugo easily could have come away with the three points, which, I mean, what a story that would have been, but I mean, what a result for them in, in general, taking a point off of, off of maybe, you know, the favored club right now. Um, right. And, uh, Pochettino with some work to do to, uh, to find the right formula with that squad. Cause it's, there's not really a lot of scenarios where you can keep where you know in order to bring balance you continuously bench one of Mbappe, Neymar or Messi. Like you kind of have to play them all. You just got to yeah. find the right pieces behind them and it's it feels like it's going to be a tough ask for Pochettino to find balance there.
1: For sure it's going to be fascinating to see how that goes.
0: Well taking things um to the Etsy had in Manchester city, uh, taking on RB Leipzig. I think going into this one, we know that city are, are dangerous in these sorts of situations. Did we see them dropping six though? Past, past Leipzig. Um,
1: I mean, I think any, I think city can hang a bunch on anyone just about, except maybe Liverpool at Anfield, but, um, um,
0: and even then, I think we were like comfortably beaten then. last season, like <laughs> three, one or three nil or whatever it was.
1: Listen, despite the night and goals scored overall, this was actually quite boring and comparison to, to some of the other games. I, I just <laughs> lack the, the lack of, I mean, this is a stick that they beat city with and I, I don't mean to do it, but I just have to point out what I observed. The lack of atmosphere at the Etihad is palpable. Yeah. Um, you know, City fans have well known beef with, with the UEFA Champions League and so maybe they didn't want to show out in droves. Maybe the tickets are too expensive. I don't know. Right. Um, but it's it's not the the spectacle that you see down the road at Anfield, right? Um so yeah, I mean there was some really good football on display and shout out Mkunku for the hat trick. Right. <laughs> hat trick in a loss away in the UEFA Champions League. That's so harsh, man. <laughs> it is. It but really um is but I really really like Christopher Nkunku. He's a really talented player. Um I don't expect him to be in the Bundesliga much longer unless he joins Bayern, of course. Yeah. Um which, you know, that that wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. No. Um but yeah, it's 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 an unfortunate for for uh, Jesse Marsh. and um yeah, he's he's had a rough time of it I think at RB Leipzig to to start uh his his career there and I don't know. I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I think he's had to deal with a lot of adversity. To be fair to him, I mean, uh, Mbampano leaving, Kanate uh, leaving, uh, Sabitzer, Sabitzer. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. So I mean, th- that's a lot of change. Um, for for one manager, let alone uh, a manager who's just stepped up from the Ostheim Bundesliga, where let's be fair, RB Salzburg are the city of that league. Yeah. So, um, it's quite a proposition to to go from that to Champions League nights against Manchester City and and you know trying to battle Bayern uh, after finishing second to the you know their new boss last right. season so right. um on the city side of things i mean you know they were they were good as they always are i think to be fair jack grealish looks right at home yeah at this level of the game um so good for him i mean his goal was exquisite i mean mm-hmm. just the way he curls that far corner far post fantastical he's you know as advertised yep um and, and yeah just kind of routine for city i think
0: yeah i uh a part of me wondered like at the beginning of this i'm like thinking rb leipzig obviously going to be intense they're going to try to they're going to try to to press a lot try to like create some opportunities on the break. And I thought that like a midfield three of Rodri Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne might be like a luxury, like a luxury midfield. If that makes sense, like that felt a little light in terms of like, it's too like obvious attacking players Kevin De Bruyne, obviously a little bit, you know, he can, he can play make from a little deeper, but Bernardo Silva's going to join the attack, maybe change with like interchange with Jack Grealish a little bit. And yeah. I'm thinking like that leaves him a little light in midfield, but the bottom line, and, and maybe this has been part of the problem for Leipzig actually, like throughout the start of the season, is they also felt light in midfield. Like they felt actually lighter in midfield despite having Limer and Adams in there, like who are designed to be holding midfielders and they didn't it, it didn't feel like city had all that much trouble like playing through that.
1: Yeah, Adams was noticeably poor, I think. Um which isn't typical of him. I think he's a yeah. very good player, very um tactically flexible too. Can also play like wider on you know as a wing back, but he he gets carded in this one and his his numbers overall just weren't good. I think Limer too just Neither of them could really impose themselves, and I think maybe a double pivot was just probably the wrong way to go. I, yeah. I don't know. They probably could have benefited from one more body in there, because um, obviously Forsberg, Almo, and Unkunku were going to get forward <laughs> at every opportunity right? Uh, alongside the striker. So maybe there was just a tactical kind of misstep there, but yeah. Um, yeah. And and Angelino, his return to the Etihad, I think doesn't he get sent He's off? Sent off, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yikes.
0: Yeah, agent agent uh, Angelino, uh, Mister Worldwide, just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird, it's a super weird game because at six, three, like you're thinking, okay, like that was essentially a blowout, whatever, like the three goals are kind of consolation, but it is taking out of the, it's taking out of the equation that actually like in the 51st minute, when in Nkunku, Nkunku scores the second, it's three, two. So like, yeah, they were a hundred percent back in this game. It wasn't like over by any stretch of the imagination. And then like, obviously Grealish scores five minutes later and that, and from there it, it took on like that, that kind of procession to a victory for city. But, um, did the three goals, like, do those raise your alarm bells at all in terms of like in terms of cities' uh, solidity or, like, their ability to to, f- to defend, like, over the course of this season, whether Champions League or uh, in the league itself. Well,
1: yeah, I think you can't ignore it because Ederson looks poor on a couple of them. Uh, and, and Kunku's not the tallest guy in the world. I don't know how he gets two headers off. Yeah. Um, I think Ake started. Uh, yeah, he yeah. started because he scored. He scored, yeah. So Came I don't know Ruben if the Ake... Diaz. That's right, yes. So, I don't know if the Ake Diaz tandem is a long term solution, I guess. I, I mean, a- Ake doesn't really feature that much in the Premier League. So, right. um, you know, whether Pep will switch it up as the Champions League campaign progresses obviously remains to be seen. But yeah, I mean, anytime you concede three, it doesn't matter how many you score, you got you to have a little bit of an inquest into the back line and what was going on there. So,
0: um, yeah. So, the other kind of like, the other kind of big legacy game in terms of like two historic european clubs Inter Milan versus Real Madrid Real one nil winners and they left it extremely late but <laughs> Rodrigo grabs grabs the winner in the 89th minute um in uh in Milan so um a a big result for Real Madrid to to come away despite the fact that they were okay over the course yeah. of the 90 minutes
1: they were okay to kind of outplayed at times i thought inter were really the better side in the first half especially they forced courtois into a couple good saves um unfortunately though inter just weren't clinical enough i know martinez had a lot of shots on goal and eventually he gets taken out uh, yeah. you know shortly after the hour mark jeko had some good looks but just couldn't finish um obviously that they don't they don't they don't unbalance back lines like they used to with Lukaku, right? So mm-hmm. um with that being said, they have to be more clinical when they take their chances because there's not that imposing figure just scaring the other team for 90 minutes anymore. Right. Um but um yeah, I mean and and on top of that, I think the the Edimilson, Nacho CB partnership is not good enough for the long haul. Um Yeah. In this one uh David Alaba was out on the left as a mm-hmm. left back which a lot for Bayern um but I I kind of don't like it I kind of want him moved into the center uh, alongside Militao because I think we should just let Miguel Gutierrez play like he's been pretty good in La Liga and yeah um you know if there's anywhere that you want a kid it's kind of probably out wide right Um, rather than than in the center where where Real Madrid are a little light so yeah I thought putting Alaba out there was kind of weird um but I mean maybe we'll switch it up you know maybe uh Carlo will switch it up in La Liga. But yeah, like you said, 89th minute winner. Kamavinga. Wow. That's a nice, nice. And first of all, the ball to him is nice. I forget who plays it. Is it like Casemiro or someone? Mm-hmm. But uh that uh first time like lofted volley pass yeah. <laughs> to Rodrigo who finishes it first time. I mean, that's just that's just shows you, like, like you said earlier in the show, how fine the margins are at this level. Yeah. Right? I mean, just one one moment of like just sheer class wins them the game on the road at San Siro. Yeah. Um, and it's the kids, the new boy and, and one of the Brazilians. So yeah. Um, yeah. Carlo got his subs, right. They were both subs and, mm-hmm. and Inzaki unfortunately did not.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, it's funny because I think you pointing out the, the Lukaku absence, obviously like huge hole in this interside. And it's one of those things where just because we bought like another tall, striker yeah <laughs> like Edin Dzeko is not Lukaku and I know that sounds very obvious but there's just like there's a lot of limitations to Edin Dzeko compared to what what Romelu Lukaku is capable of um and yeah Martinez unfortunately I feel like Martinez is a far more clinical striker in Serie A than he is like when he's playing in these big like European games. He feels like he's just much calmer and like right. much more assured in in Syria. And I don't know if there, there's nothing scientific about that, obviously. Like I just it's sure. just the I eye test. test, but um but yeah, it just seems like he um he just isn't as confident um in himself or doesn't back himself as much in those games, but on the other hand, Kamavinga, like talk about impact for Real Madrid. <laughs> he's played like 20 total minutes and he has a goal and assi- and an assist. <laughs> like um yeah, yeah he's been he's unbelievable. Special. Um and he's he's barely even gotten a chance to show what he can do and he's already showing it.
1: Right, yeah. And and Ancelotti said after game, you know, a lot of cliche stuff like, you know, he's young, we need to be patient with him. He needs sure. to improve his defensive uh, you know, side of the game, but I mean, from what we've seen so far, he's he's as advertised. He's he's definitely a star boy.
0: To uh, just quickly wrap up some of the other results around the Champions League, uh, Sevilla and RB Salzburg played to a one-one draw. Lille and Wolf- and Wolfsburg uh, drew nil-nil, which tough on Lille should have
1: won. <laughs> Lille, Lille-, Lille should have won. This is
0: probably Lille's best performance of the season so far. And Under Jocelyn
1: Govinek, for sure. Yeah. They, they played Wolfsburg off the park. It's...
0: Yeah. That was a, a shame, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, a 10-man Villarreal drew Atalanta 2-2. And despite it being a draw, uh, like getting a point on the road for Atalanta, kind of like worrying signs so far for Atalanta starting this season. Like They haven't really been at the level that maybe we'd expect of of Atalanta in the previous couple of seasons.
1: Yeah, they'd come into this game off a loss to Fiorentina and before that drawing Bologna. But they've got a chance to make it right this weekend against Salina Natana, who are not good. So yeah. we'll see. I mean the the fullbacks score in this one, so there's right. still signs of that classic Atalanta there. But yeah, yeah that that was probably a good, good one for the neutrals.
0: Yeah. Uh Chelsea got a win at home against Zenit. Uh, St. Petersburg, 1-0. Juve took care of business against Swedish side Malmo, uh, 3-0. Benfica and Dinamo Kiev played to a 0-0 draw, which by all accounts was (laughs) the most exciting 0-0 draw and maybe the least (laughs) likely, I guess. Like uh, a lot of shots in that one. Um, And then Dortmund beat Besiktas 2-1. Sheriff, the Moldovan side, got a 2-0 win against Shakhtar Donetsk the the Champions League debutants uh with with a big result in their in their first ever Champions League game.
1: Well their fans would fight you for calling them more Moldovan. They they're from Transnistria. Who, oh right. They, <laughs> <laughs> Whoops,
0: sorry. But yes, I'm about yes. to get I'm about to get tr- death threats from Transnistria. <laughs> Transnistria uh yeah
1: for pro russian supporters oh god um yeah FC Sheriff man they are first time ever in in that this level of the competition made it through qualifiers to enter the group stage and they kind of took up Shakhtar's mantle here i mean Shakhtar a, a champions league regular but as yeah. far as like shock results <laughs> they're the ones you know they gave real madrid that work not too long ago yeah. and so for sheriff to come out and and do this is is really impressive. I love the, the goal by a Traore assisted by Cristiano. Like that could, <laughs> that could come from like another fixture. If you weren't being <laughs> careful, right. <laughs> You're reading is uh, Adama it? Traore. Actually that, that is his name.
0: <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So,
1: um, and Cristiano gave two assists in this one. So that's funny. It's good for sheriff.
0: <laughs> they got the regens <laughs> at work. Um, <laughs> Atleti nil nil against Porto, and uh, this one was kind of disappointing in that uh, it was billed. Obviously, this is the other match in Liverpool's group. Um, so Liverpool, Milan, Atleti, Porto, and you know that Atleti is going to be defensively solid in uh, in the Champions League, but for this match to produce like so little goal mouth action is a, was a little strange. Like it was it was pretty boring for being two like heavyweight teams going at it
1: yeah for sure I mean Luis Suarez he took the least amount of touches of any outfield player to play 90 minutes Joao Felix hasn't really gone off the mark um I worry that there's not enough goals in this Atleti side if Luis Suarez's legs have finally gone I don't know that they have I mean I think it's early days but it's a little bit worrying um Antoine Griezmann of course still trying to bed back in right he yeah. had a pretty crappy <laughs> re-debut against espanol uh in la liga and and uh, he comes on to this one it doesn't really do much Depaul came on and and had an impact but mm-hmm. i just don't know that there's enough goals um here so we'll have to see i think if you know if correa is your best goal scorer i mean uh, nothing against angel correa but yikes you need yeah. more than that
0: yeah yeah, and they leaned on Thomas Lamar in the in the Espanyol game to right. to bail them out. I think two goals from him. So um, right. So the last the last match, uh, Ajax get a five one win over over Sporting Lisbon in in Portugal. Um, really impressive from Ajax, and Sebastian Allaire four goals of the five come from him, and uh, their winger. Antony, the Brazilian uh, 21-year-old, um, providing two of the assists as well down that right-hand side. So Ajax maybe maybe a little bit of danger again around this <laughs> Ajax side?
1: I hope so, because that Ajax side of a few years ago that then got picked apart by the Super League Vultures was a lot of fun. I hope they can do it again. And Sebastian Allaire, man, just... <sighs> What a change of scenery can do for a man. I yeah. mean, he scored like 14 goals for West Ham. He's already scored like 20 something yeah. for Ajax in in you know half the time. Uh, he's very comfortable there. It seems they played to their strengths. Play apparently a lot like Eintracht Frankfurt did in that in that uh, season where he was you know banging them in with with Rebich and 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 the like. So yeah, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he's found a, a place where he's. He's comfortable. Four goals is no
0: joke, and he already has four goals and an assist in four Eredivisie games this season to open this season. So eight goals already in the early Jesus. campaign for Sebastian Allaire. He's just absolutely bullying people for Ajax, and I think the cool thing about this move one is it shows that you know it just reemphasizes the fact that hey, like just because it didn't work in the premier league doesn't mean a player is washed or like
1: dusted or whatever. yeah. Or like yeah. unable
0: to, to make a, an impact somewhere. And on top of that, like getting into this particular setup that I X have at this time where they've just now refreshed from that, that team that was picked apart a couple of years ago, they had this awkward kind of transitionary period and now they've, They've got like the players that they want um, in place, I think, and a um, couple more kids coming through the academy. A couple of South Americans who are bedded in, and it's just it feels like Ajax have have now reloaded. Um, the other goal, right. <laughs> the other goal scorer in that one, uh, a little f- funny that it's uh, Steven uh, who very controversially joined Ajax from Feyenoord. Oh, wow. Yeah, like it's not been a popular move. Any scores for for Ajax in the Champions League. So, yeah, Feyenoord fans probably not thrilled. (laughs) Damn,
1: Uh, (laughs) you don't do that. That's like Everton to Liverpool or vice versa. Yeah, (laughs) Arsenal to Spurs. Yeah.
0: Rangers to Celtic.
1: That's probably the comparison. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, which speaking of Mika, we've got the Europa League to talk about as well. And we said there's only one spot to start. One, because this game involved a team that you that you follow. Um, But two, because it was by far the game of the round. Um, And that is (laughs) Real Betis four Celtic three. Unbelievable game.
1: Unbelievable! So so many feelings were felt. Um, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't gesticulate and yell like I wanted to because I was catching most of this at work. Yep. Um, luckily, the second half lined up with my lunch hour. So, like as soon as everyone left the office, they're like, "Are you leaving?" I'm like, "No, I'll stay here." And I like ordered DoorDash <laughs> and watched the game perfect in the conference room. Um, great game! I'm so happy that Real Betis are back in Europe where they belong shocking defending from (laughs) Betty early doors celtic came out aggressive they got out to an early two 0 lead you know to be fair manuel pellegrini had rotated the side the side quite a bit um but still it was just really bad from betty's to start um but you know they roar back to life one opens the scoring um that gets injured hopefully it's nothing serious but um the difference maker for me uh, even though Juanmi ends up getting a brace, I think the difference for me was really Borja Iglesias, uh, known affectionately as Panda. I mean, he was really fired up <laughs> for this one. Like, yeah. each of his celebrations were so intense. He provided an assist, got a goal for himself. Um, and, yeah, uh, in, a, in a team where you sometimes feel like it's a bit of a one-man team and that if Sergio Canales isn't doing something, then we're screwed. It's nice to see... The likes of Juanmi, Borja Iglesias, Juan Miranda—you know—picking up the slack a little yeah. bit and getting us back into it because you never doubt that Betis can score goals, but it's just at the back where they're a little bit weary. But they end up holding on for the four-three win. And Celtic—I mean—they they should be proud of the way that they played, but no cigar at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I think I think this actually does represent progression for Celtic, if that makes yeah. sense. Last season was obviously like from a team perspective was a huge underperformance and not what they would expect of themselves. Certainly as a club Um, being overtaken by Rangers for the first time in like well over a decade and all of that, not, not great, but this, I guess like coming out and competing like this in Europe and feeling like they at least belong and scoring right. goals, like I think that was the biggest thing about last season. Is it felt like well, it's either, Odson Edward or nobody. Like sure. the, like those are the goal. Like those are the goals we score. Or it's either him or uh, nobody. So, um, and there were a lot of games where they just weren't competing at the European level. So the fact that that Betis and Celtic like face off in this type of game. Um, was just cool to see from like a neutral perspective. Cause it is sure. to like storied clubs who don't get, or at least recently haven't had this sort of like fanfare around them. So getting this sort of occasion is cool. And then, I mean, secondly, just that, that essentially like whatever, 18 minutes from, uh, from Betsy's opener to the fourth. Right. Was just like, scintillating like every (laughs) single thing that they did was just like like you said it had like they were doing everything with such intensity there was just some shift that occurred where after the penalty like when Celtic take that two nil lead like it was like they flipped a switch and five minutes later they get on the score sheet and then within the next you know whatever 15 minutes like they're they're up now you know right and and so Yeah, they were up, yeah, 4-2 within 18 minutes of uh, that opener. So I just, like, it was cool to see that reaction, one. And I think there's been this, like, overall, like, feeling with Pellegrini is, like, is this the guy? Like, is this the right setup? Like, are these the players that are going to carry Betis, like, forward? And, And I think he actually answers a lot of questions in this performance because it's not it's not typically what we've seen like from Pellegrini sides traditionally in terms of like fight back and all that so so maybe he's got something going over there
1: for sure and actually I think Pellegrino doesn't if I'm not mistaken he doesn't really have much Europa League experience to speak of so this is a new adventure for him as well so to, to come out and and weather the storm and get the win is is good. And it was his birthday today, too. So happy birthday to the engineer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to get a win for him.
0: <laughs> um, well, we joked on this podcast for just about all of last season. <laughs> we joked about the prospect of West Ham United and their fans in Europe. And... <laughs> Today, we got West Ham United in Zagreb um, facing Dinamo Zagreb and West Ham pulling off what Tottenham could not, and that is defeating Dinamo Zagreb.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and, like, convincingly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, West Ham were excellent, I have to say. They were wearing these kits that, like, really took you back like they looked very like like classic like something from I don't even know like (laughs) the 19th century they were really (laughs) interesting what they were wearing yeah but I mean West Ham were excellent Mikel Antonio opens the scoring just easy pressing the goalkeeper and and nicks it off him and puts it in the net I mean Dinamo just I guess we're not expecting that kind of intensity and then I just you know the reason why I wanted to talk about this fixture really is because of Declan Rice, like yeah. tackling, latching onto the ball in midfield, running half the length of the field <laughs> and finishing smoothly through the keeper's legs. All this from a, you know, not super athletic number six. Right. Um, and, you know, West Ham's like crown jewel, really. So yeah. um, I just thought it was a really nice finish and, and a nice moment for for himself and, and for West Ham fans, obviously. Um, I don't know if any of them made the trip, if they were allowed. I hope that they'll be traveling if they weren't for this fixture for the other ones because i just <laughs> i want to see mess
0: yeah um
1: but uh, yeah it's a it's a nice nice result for west ham
0: yeah and off the back of a couple of disappointing draws domestically like i think it's just good to go on this on this uh yeah to go out on the the european away and uh to get a solid two nil it's not it's nothing to turn your nose up at because I think everybody knows. And especially like as a Liverpool fan and as an Arsenal fan, like we are well acquainted over the past few years with the rigors of the Europa league. (laughs) Right. And Thursday nights and just the travel associated and all of that. Like this is going to be a test for this West Ham squad. Um, and (laughs) They get no sterner test than they have to come back and they play United at the weekend, so they get Damn. they come back and play on Sunday um, against United, and then have to play United again in the League Cup midweek. So well, they get a the double two of dose. Them,
1: West Ham are the only ones that won in Europe this week. So.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, yeah, I, I will forever find it funny that West Ham, uh, you know, did what their fellow London club could not um, in going to Zagreb and getting a win. But, Ridiculous.
1: Um, Granted, in, de- in s- different circumstances, it was yes, kind of do or die for Spurs, it. but yeah.
0: they well, should have done. And Spurs died. <laughs> and they Indeed. are in the conference league which we'll talk about and try to get a grap- grasp of here in a second <laughs> um just like bouncing around to some of the like notable results um elsewhere in the in the europa league leverkusen got a 2-1 win against Fer- Ferencváros, who uh, the hungarian side um it was l- looking like a little dicey for leverkusen for a second but um between uh, Ezekiel Palacios and, and Florian Verts. Florian Verts just continuing to to be that dude for for Leverkusen.
1: Well he's gonna be world class.
0: Yeah. Um Galatasaray beat Lazio 1-0. Um and Lazio's like weird, actually like maybe borderline terrible start to the season continues.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's not been a great start for really any of the Italian sides in Europe, except Juventus, who thrashed Malmo, of course. So, yeah, yeah something to keep an eye on. Kind of a weird trend.
0: Marseille, who we've we've bigged up a lot um, on the pod recently, they went to Moscow and, and got a, a 1-1 draw against Locomotive. And it was a late, late, like, Changi's underscored a, scored a penalty on like the hour mark. Um, and then, and just before that, like the incident that caused the penalty, actually like a locomotive player was sent off. Um, but locomotive found a, found a way to, to snag the equalizer like late, late in the game, 89th minute. And uh, Marseille maybe a little unlucky not to come away with the win based on the amount of chances they created, but Moscow putting up a big fight.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Marseille kind of rotated quite a bit. Gerson starting at Cam, Dieng out wide. Rongier, who's a midfielder, starting at right back. And, you know, (laughs) just had changed out the back line quite a bit. So, I mean, maybe just a victim of the rotation. I think Marseille are really interested in in doing well in Ligue 1 this season. Mm -hmm. Um, And and whatever they do in Europe might just be a bonus.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But, we'll see.
0: Leon, on the other hand, went to Scotland and uh defeated Stevie G's Rangers 2-0. Um, pretty, pretty professional performance from Leon.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I don't think they needed any further motivation seeing how their bus got absolutely destroyed by Rangers fans. Did you did you catch the, that?
0: The graffiti was like some of it was kind of like cool looking like there was a there was a split second <laughs> on the timeline where i where i scrolled and i was like damn leon like really like went up,
1: i thought it was like, like on purpose like until stylized I read the their caption. bus yeah
0: and then <laughs> but then i said saw so, uh yeah i saw it said fuck leon like on the front and i was like oh, okay well maybe not like maybe they didn't do this <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I had the same reaction. I was like, oh, this is, like, dope. Did they, like, get, like, a local artist to do this? Yeah. And Oh, <laughs> fuck, we own Let's Go Rangers. Okay,
0: got it. Like, never <laughs> mind. Uh, cool, cool, yeah. Um, so, uh, another big one, PSV Real Sociedad, which is a cool matchup, like, as it is. Yeah. 2-2 draw, and the goals... <laughs> For a second, I literally thought I went back in time because I got the notifications like on my phone for this one. I wasn't able to watch the match live, but I get <laughs> goal PSV Mario Goethe. And then I get goal Real Sociedad Adnan Yanazai. And I literally had like this moment of, oh, my God, like it's the it's the unfulfilled potential like Darby. <laughs>
1: I love that. Yeah. I mean, this is like these are like the two players you want to sign in FIFA 15. Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) um, And they score within two minutes of each other. Like, it's not just like, oh, they both scored in the game. It's literally Mario, Mario scores. And then (laughs) Adnan Yanis, scores two minutes later and it felt like I was crossing through the event horizon of some (laughs) crazy alternate timeline.
1: And to be fair to them, they both had nice careers at at Eindhoven and and at PSV Eindhoven and and Real Sociedad respectively. So, I'm glad they're still playing.
0: Uh Cody Gakpo and then Alexander Izak scored the uh the other one for Sociedad, but um Gakpo's proved the equalizer and and PSV unable to uh to win at home, but 2-2 against Sociedad. I think PSV probably probably are okay with that result yeah. despite it being at home. Um and then another big one, Leicester City 2-2 draw with Napoli um in Leicester. And and Wilfred Ndidi sent off in this one as well. Well, late on, but um but yeah, Iose Perez and Harvey Barnes, the goal scorers for Leicester City, but undone by a uh, Victor Alseman double um and and an 87th minute equalizer from from the uh the Nigerian striker.
1: Yeah, is mean, incredible. I think he'll be one of the the next like big transfers out of Sadia, unfortunately i think i think any premier league side would be happy to have a player like him um but as we know players are like notoriously loyal to napoli so we'll (laughs) see i think napoli probably going to be annoyed with this one um because just the sheer volume of shots they had they probably think they (laughs) they should have won the match more you know at at all if not more comfortably um yeah they they created a lot more than lester did and and Unfortunately, no one else is scoring except Ossiman, so yeah. they come away with the draw. And again, another Italian side that just failed to win.
0: So um, a a uh, long-time listener of the pod, a guy who sent in a few questions, the Shark on Twitter, he asks for our predictions in Europe, um, both the Champions League and the Europa League. So, Mika, before we move on to the Conference League and try to unpack whatever the hell's going on over there, the Champions <laughs> League... What, do you th- what, what are your predictions? And I guess we can stick to, I think for predictions, let's go like winner or like who you think will win and then maybe like a surprise, like a team that you think will be a surprise in terms of like they'll go further than people might expect. Okay, so. And maybe let's also throw in a team that might disappoint.
1: Oh, okay. So like three three predictions essentially. All right. I think so. I think I I have Bayern winning this year's Champions League. I think that they look um, very strong in the Bundesliga, as they usually do, and and very strong in the Champions League. And I think Nagelsmann's an excellent coach. I think the squad depth is there. Um, They've gotten younger uh, and arguably better in some ways um, to the, the team that won the Champions League two seasons ago. So I have them... Uh, winning it, uh, I, th- I have them winning it over Chelsea. I think Chelsea could possibly make a run at the final again. They are another team with incredible depth and an incredible coach yeah. uh, in Thomas Tuchel. So um, that's kind of. I, and, and plus, I just I I feel like an English team has to make it to the final these days. I mean, with the, the amount of resource in England, it almost feels inevitable sure. um, that that's going to happen. So that's kind of my final prediction. Um, a team that I think could surprise people. Hmm. You know, I think maybe, maybe Salzburg, um, because I mean, well, I mean, they did get a draw on opening day, which is, is fine for them. But as, as Austrian champions and, um, you know, coming through that Red Bull system and, and, you know, just having won the league, I think that they'll surprise people. I think they're a very good side. They, they walk the league pretty much in in the Osterreich Bundesliga, but they've got a lot of good players. And in fact, I give them more of a shout in the champions league than, than than I do Red, you know, RB Leipzig at the moment. (laughs) Um, so yeah, they, they score a ton of goals. They've, they've they've got seven out of seven wins in, in Austria right now in the league and scored 19 conceded only four. um, I think the team is well built. Um, yeah, I I think they'll surprise people. I think who might be shockingly poor. Oh, man, I don't know. I think it, I think PSG just because of the sheer amount of pressure there is on them to be good in this competition. Um I know I've said in the past that they've taken a lot of steps in the right direction as far as, you know, stiffening that upper lip and being a little bit tougher and yeah. and adding some steel to the glamour of this side as well, and and getting to that final was a big step for them, but I just don't know that is the fit for this side. I think it's, I mean, you know, we've seen Pochettino at Espanol, we've seen him at Southampton, Tottenham, and all these sides, he was able to work with young players and improve players and, um, you know, convince them of his tactics, and this is a completely different job at PSG. It's yeah. unlike anything he's ever done before where he's managing mega egos um, <laughs> and trying to get results at the same time. And it just seems like a, a mismatch. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think if if things don't improve quickly, that they could possibly be the disappointment in Europe. Um, and for Europa League, I just have – I didn't think too deeply about it, but I just want to see a Marseille Real Betis final because that would be lit.
0: Damn. <laughs> that would be actually – um, Who do you got, Phil? Who do yeah. you have in
1: the Champions League final or winning it?
0: I think I think we all know what's gonna take place, and that is number seven.
1: Oh, L- L- okay. L- <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh
0: I, I am like so because I didn't because I, I didn't pick Liverpool to win the league, I feel like I've gotta be a homer at some point. Like, and I'm going to just say that Liverpool win the Champions League. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I'd say they're more equipped. Like if they're going to win a major trophy this year, they're probably more equipped to win the Champions League than to win the league just because of the, the lack of reinforcements. And like if there's any more injuries, it's going to make things like pretty dicey. Um, I know Harvey Elliott won't seem like a major blow to many people, but he was obviously like a big part of Klopp's plans. So I'm just like... Mm-hmm how much more can we absorb, you know, any sort of major injury to any of the forwards or to Van Dyke or, I mean, even Fabinho at this point, like Fabinho's basically been like Liverpool's best player for the last like three games. So, um, so anyways, I think, I think Liverpool still do stand a chance of being that team that nobody wants to play in the champions league. Sure. Which I think, and especially with fans being back, I think we saw like a pretty material impact there. So I'm just like, um, I'm thinking that could be, that could be big. And then as far as like, as far as the dark horse team that I think could go further than people expect, I mean, looking at the groups, like the Salzburg shot is not bad because of the group that they're in is, is quite weak. So right. like they have a really good chance of making it out of there and then once you're out of the group like anything is possible. Um and that's no disrespect to the other clubs in there it's just the fact that there's no there's no like super club in there. Um Right. Although Leo might eventually get get there but um but yeah I think I mean I think in terms of teams that could probably go far like further than people were expecting just based on how last year went is Ajax Um, and I know it's off the back of like a game, but they just look, they just look like different. And then their group as well with Besiktas and, and sporting, they may have a pretty good, they, I think they stand a pretty good chance of making it out. And yeah, I mean, on form, like if they, they, as they showed, like, you know, they can go toe to toe with anybody, um, when they've got the, the right pieces and it just feels like, Feels like a good, like, squad composition that they've got. And, yeah, I'm uh, feeling feeling good about Ajax making a run. And then I think in terms of, like, in terms of the teams that are going to disappoint... Um, well, I guess it depends on, like, the definition because I think the team that could... Disappoint for the second year in a row is inter
1: oh okay
0: they went out at the group stage last year despite the fact they end up winning <laughs> Serie a like they did nothing in the champions league and so i think it'd be a huge disappointment to see that again um like or to see them not make some kind of like deeper run because i think they are still an extremely talented side but they showed kind of like why they didn't make it out of the group stage last year and not being able to put away a team that they should probably beat. And um, let's be honest, like a trip to Ukraine is really tricky. And then having to go even further east, like the travel associated with this is not great. Um, so yeah, I think, I don't know. I think Inter may be prone to, prone to a slip here. Maybe not at the group stage, but and maybe they make it out just because of, Shakhtar and and Sheriff being you know relatively like weaker right. teams, but um, but yeah, I think Inter maybe maybe when they run into one of the big clubs at the round of sixteen, it could be it could be too tall too tall of an ask.
1: Yeah, and I think also too the squad is weaker. I mean, yeah, Hakimi Lukaku, it's you know Conte. I mean that that those are big factors, and yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a reasonable shout.
0: I uh, and then as far as the Europa League, like I'm living, I'm 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 living for the French teams like to thrive. So Marseille <laughs> slipped up, but Lyon, like Monaco, get wins. Um, yeah, and I think seeing the League and teams like go further in the Europa League and make a make an impact there, um, that would be just really cool. And then I'm like. I'm kind of, I'm kind of sad that like Betis end up in, in the group of death, essentially like Leverkusen (laughs) and Celtic in there. Um, Because uh, of the teams that I'd like to see go like Leverkusen is definitely up there because I just, I love what they've got going in terms of like the amount of young players involved in the team and like how, verts and db like have come on like and just how they've developed so i'm really excited by that squad but i don't want them to do it at the expense of like other teams that i would like <laughs> to see go far so yeah that's anyways, a good it's, shot yeah
1: yeah i love uh i'm a big um gerardo soani fan so if leverkusen thrive i, I like that because i like him manager a lot
0: um so real quick mika before we before we take a break the Europa Conference League. What? What do you think about this competition? Like, do you think one? Do you think it was necessary? And two, like, is it added value as far as either the the players or teams, but also like the fans? Like, is this worth it?
1: Yeah. So it's it's interesting because it's hard to say whether it was necessary because that's. Who knows what, you know, I mean, we know what the motivations are money. Right. But um,
0: like, is it necessary for me to drink my own urine?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Depends. Right. I mean, yeah. What are the circumstances? Um, Overall, like I'm not that wound up about it. Like some people are like some people are just not going to watch it and that's fine. Sure. I think it's interesting um, because these are teams that you would not see or hear of otherwise. And I'm sure their fans think it's great. Yeah. Um and I you know for that that alone is what makes me happy about it. We had a listener point out that um gibraltar's fourteen time straight champions are making their they made their European debut today in the conference league yeah. Lincoln red imps, I think so um you know, like, stories like that are really cool, um, and I'm sure their fans are over the moon that they're having European competition on, on their literal rock of a, of a country. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. And, I mean, there are some pretty big clubs down there right now because the qualification is still dependent on the table and the domestic leagues, and that's why I pointed out this, this Stade Rene Spurs game because that's, that's like a Europa League-level match. yeah um and and the conference league was meant to streamline the europa league and and you know lessen the amount of of uh, teams in the group stages of that competition so you will see some big teams down there in that third tier conference if you will
0: yeah yeah i think uh yeah the tottenham uh, like Two to draw as well and and <laughs> <laughs> renee despite the fact that they uh you know obviously the their big story of the summer was the departure of camavinga for real madrid right they come up against a premier league side and acquitted themselves quite well
1: they did yeah and there was a really nice pace to this game um just a lot of like technical quality on display. I thought in Domville was sensational for Spurs. Um, he's had you know, obviously, he struggled mightily under Jose Mourinho. So, under Nuno, I'm hoping that he'll be able to revitalize his career because I think he's really just class, um, class dribbler. He looks fit overall. And yeah, maybe he just needs to be in France to show out. I don't know because <laughs> uh, Stach and they were, were hosting Tottenham, right? Um, but. I really liked what men were able to do in this one. Tate's uh, equalizer sent the stadium into pandemonium. Actually for both goals, I noticed that um, the fans were doing that thing that I thought only happened in FIFA where they'd all like jump over the seats in front of them yeah, to like pile like surge onto surge the, to the front. Yeah. Surge to the front. And uh, <laughs> I, that's so dangerous. I'm sure. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> um, it was really, uh, it was really cool to see. I just, it, you know, it it all begins and ends with the fans and yeah. that, you know, this spectacle itself justified the conference league for me. Like those, sure. those fans were obviously having an awesome day out, uh, watching their team in a European competition against a, a team that made it to the final three years ago. Right. So, right. um, so yeah, uh, you know, the result aside, I thought it was just interesting that these fans are having this opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. And I think that's the angle like that. I prefer to take with this sort of thing is like, I mean, you can get cynical about any football if you want, like, yeah, at the end of the day, like this is all about money and there's tons of advertisers involved and huge corporations and all this stuff. And like, if you want to boil it down to that, like you can certainly make the case I think it's much more enjoyable to live in a somewhat like level of suspended disbelief and just say like, Hey, (laughs) this is like actually a really cool moment for the fans. And like, it is like a spectacle that they get to enjoy. And at the end of the day, like that is what we want. Like, this is what we enjoy about sport in general. Like, so yeah, I think for that reason, it is cool. And, and to see some of the, to see some of the clubs involved, like, um, you know, Union Berlin, like unfortunate in, in their loss to Slavia Pra, but like they just, I mean, it's their first ever like European game and like that sort of, that sort of stuff. Like it's just, it's just created like a cool level where you're just going to see these like odd pairings and like, you may see the the odd like 10 nil or something like that in this in this <laughs> league um, or in this in this competition. But um, but yeah, I just I don't know. It's it's a bunch of a bunch of clubs that like either just missed out on on a higher level of European competition or like normally wouldn't get a shot at the, at an actual trophy or would just miss out or be eliminated in qualifying or something like that. So good for them. And a special shout out to Kairat Almaty FC, the Kazakhstani club. Uh, I have been to Almaty Kazakhstan before um, in 2017 and Andre Arshavin played for that club when I was there Um Kairat is uh, like one of Kazakhstan's uh, most successful clubs um, representing Almaty, which is a southeastern city in Kazakhstan. Um, And uh, yeah, so just a weird thing. And uh, Kairat's group went absolutely goose eggs across the board. So Karabakh from Armenia, uh, Omanoya from Cyprus, <laughs> Basil from Switzerland and Kyra played in a group. And in both games, they were nil nil.
1: <laughs> so, Just conference league things. So
0: not, not <laughs> the start that anyone was hoping for. Uh, but anyways, shout out to Kairot Almaty for, for uh, being in the conference league and you do your thing, you know, like
1: that's, a, that's really cool. Actually
0: get them. <laughs> Get them, and after the break, tons more to talk about. If you can even believe it, um, and uh, we'll we'll be back for that shortly. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Mika. Next, we're going to get into our listener questions, and thanks first of all to everybody who sent in questions because uh, we got we got a really a really good response, um, and we've got some cool stuff to talk about. And the first question that you put on the, the outline here, Mika, is something that I was hoping we could dive into in this episode. So thanks to, uh, to at Dave, Dave Watts, but Dave at Dave W a 16 TTS. Um, but Dave Watts, he, he sent in, can we talk about Mer- Roma and Mourinho Abraham El Shirawi and Pellegrini last loss was a friendly over the summer in all competitions. Uh, to Real Batis, it should be, should be added. Um, yeah,
1: they got owned.
0: <laughs> do they have a scudetto in them? Uh, a cup domestic double more, or is there a midseason slump coming up? What do you make of this side that is currently like balling out under Jose Mourinho?
1: I don't know, man. Like I, I want to enjoy it, but then I don't want to like three months from now be like, you idiot. <laughs> Like, you should have known. Um, I will say this is the brightest that a Mourinho side has felt. Sure. Post-Chelsea, right? Because he's gotten results with Spurs and Manchester United when he started, but it didn't feel like this. There wasn't a vibe, you know what I mean? And there's a vibe to this AS Roma side that you can't really, like, I at least can't put my finger on, but it feels good. Right. Um. And I don't know. Like Jose looks happy. The players look happy. Like they're scoring a lot of goals too. It's not like negative ass football. Playing kind of a high line. Like, yeah. um. I don't know. I don't know if they've got a scudetto in them. Maybe a cup, here and there. I don't know. I mean, they're top of Serie A right now. Three wins from three, and 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 playing very well. And uh, yeah. Um. Tammy Abraham. Like I I pointed him out as one of my favorite signings of the summer. I think yeah. he's been excellent. I think he finally scored at home, so um, and he's just—he even said he is a joke. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what exactly they have with them, or if there's a mid-season slump. I I hope it's for real this time, and Mourinho's like got some of his magic back, having gone back to to Italy, uh, where he became a legend. To be fair, right? Um, but I don't know. I I like it. I'm I'm allowing myself
0: to enjoy it. See, that's what, and it's funny because I over the years like Mourinho ha- he's been the villain for me he managed Chelsea at the height of Liverpool and Chelsea like clashing in Europe so frequently um like I mean he
1: he frequently constantly disrespected Arsene Wenger the absolute club legend at Arsenal Yeah, Barcelona. I hate him
0: and and then i mean obviously like his moves from there, like even when he was at inter, like when he was playing in the champions league, he was so (laughs) the way he approached everything was just with utter disrespect. Like, and even the game itself, like he was, he turned the game into something that wasn't meant to be enjoyed. Like, right. He took the game and turned it into ruthless, like efficiency Mm -hmm. And it made it less enjoyable. And so for that, I resented him because (laughs) he was winning trophy after trophy and he was doing it in a way that made me feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Now, like I look at this, obviously I relished the fact that he struggled at United and I, and I relished even further the fact that he struggled at Spurs. Like it, it was enjoyable, like schadenfreude. Like I, I loved it. And he took the time he, you know, he takes a little bit of time. Roma make this appointment. It's a huge meme. Everyone's like, (laughs) <laughs> this is a joke. Like, this is going to be the funniest thing. Like, can Roma also make a documentary type thing? Like, this is going to be a mess. And like you said, like, he looks so refreshed. Like, he looks like a different man down there. And he's playing great stuff. He's got, like, he's got the team playing great stuff. He has he has Jordan Veritu looking like, he could play in any midfield on earth. And, <laughs> and then he's just now over the last two games, uh, Steven Shirawi has re-emerged from the shadows. He scores the winner against Sassuolo in the 90, whatever 93rd minute that sent Mourinho down the touchline. And I'm watching that game. I like Sassuolo better than Roma. And I was in there like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> on his 1000th yeah managed Mourinho headed down the touchline and i found myself feeling something and like (laughs) that just shouldn't be like this man made me he was the devil for like 20 years and now he's turned around and he's won everybody over and it's like i honestly i'm i'm happy for him from like a human standpoint he's now allowed to like and I'm not saying it's going to continue and I'm not saying that Roma are going to win the Scudetto or anything like I, it's way too early to make those sorts of predictions. But the bottom line is like, he's got this Roma team feeling themselves after a, de- a what was a down season last year. Like they did not perform well. They were totally like outside of the, the conversation as far as the champions league and everything, which you'd expect them to be, uh, you know, in and about like those, those spots he just looks like he's re-injected like life into this team. And he's made a couple of good signings. Um, uh, You know, could turn out to be great signings over the course of the season. Um, And yeah, he's just gone in there and he's found something like in the early stages. And from like a human aspect, like I I'm kind of like happy for Jose Mourinho, like the protagonist, like, (laughs) I just don't know how it happened. Like, my brain is having such a hard time, like, reconciling all of it.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I hope it continues because I I hated it. I always hated when he would pick a player to just ostracize, right? And I'm like, who's it going to be at Roma? Is it going to be... Zaniolo, or something like you know right. what I mean? Like, <laughs>
0: just like pick a random, just yeah, yeah. Um, because at Madrid, it w- at Madrid, like to the benefit of Arsenal, uh, eventually it was Mesut Ozil, like,
1: right, he just right. picked and, him
0: and just drove him out of the team,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, they had a famous falling out. Um, uh, I mean, at Spurs, it was, it was Deli Ali, and what do you know, he's still a good player, <laughs> yeah, like, he's emerged under Nuno, right? Um, re emerged, um. It, yeah, look. It, as far as Italy goes, like I'm a I'm a Palermo fan. Like they're toiling in Serie C, but I've always liked Roma. I've always thought that they should be a bigger, more respected club than they are. They they represent the capital. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a, Rome is a huge, world class, global city, and I've always felt like the club should try to you know be on that level too. Yeah. Um. And and they've shade on their
0: side of Berlin.
1: Yeah, <laughs> for real though. Like her is another one of those clubs, um, but yeah. I mean, I I laughed at the appointment too. Like seeing him, like photoshopped onto a fucking like Vespa. Like it's <laughs> just like, what is this? Oh, are we really doing this? Like Roma. Like did you not see the dumpster fire that has occurred over here in, in England? Um, but uh, maybe they've got something. I don't know. Seeing this man just like eating a pizza and like <laughs> drinking a coke like a human being. It was fucking weird. I don't yeah. know. <laughs>
0: like,
1: I don't know, but I like it. I
0: it yeah. I, I can't I can't explain it exactly, but I'm I'm actually I'm enjoying this this early Mourinho era. And like it could be that three you know, two and a half years from now we're having the conversation of look, it happened again, three season <laughs> Mourinho, like um toxic as hell, but I don't know. Up until this point like he's it, he just looks like he's enjoying himself and uh Stefan El Sharawi like scored again today in the in the Conference League against Siska Sofia so um yeah just he's got him he's got him eaten like and they took care of business like obviously it's lesser it's lesser competition a bulgarian side but I mean 5-1 like yeah taking care of business in europe so um yeah and and being exciting while doing it i don't i don't even know It it's just my brain is broken now i like jose Mourinho being happy and i that i just never thought i would think that so <laughs> <laughs> 2021 is weird man um So the next question and kind of staying in on the Italy theme for the time being at Nabra, um, (laughs) John, John Brown, um, on, on Twitter, he asked, uh, if you were Weston McKinney, would you retire from international soccer after this last episode?
1: (laughs) Should we explain the episode to the people?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people probably have the background, but you know, Weston McKinney, uh, who plays for Juve was, was famously sent home from the last U S men's national team camp um, for the world cup qualifiers due to breaking COVID protocols, which eventually it was revealed that he had spent a night outside of the team's bubble and then had brought what they quoted as an unauthorized person into the team's bubble in their team hotel. Um, You know, 22-year-old behavior, <laughs> I think it's safe to say. Um, but he was sent home from that. So Mika, like, given this and the amount of... There was some some vitriol that kind of followed w- in some of the press coverage and then in some of the former U.S. men's national team pros weighing in uh, their opinions, most notably Landon Donovan. Um, right, right. There was a little bit of, of uh yeah, there's a lot of blame going around, and especially at halftime of the Honduras match, there was <laughs> there was a lot flying around in terms of uh, you know, obviously it went better from from there, but um do you think Weston would feel ostracized enough by like the US men's national team community to consider like not representing them again?
1: Well, <clears throat> Greg Bellhalter made it pretty clear that, you know, of course, Weston's still in my plans. Like, I care for him deeply as a person, and he's obviously a good player for us. He's he's made that clear. So, you know, I think it's this one-time transgression, and they'll they'll let bygones be bygones. I think I, if I'm Weston, I wouldn't retire from international soccer because I know that I'm a good player and I can contribute something, right? But, I mean, you know, going back to the episode itself, I... I it's not great what he did. He broke the rules. He's actually done this before with Juventus. So obviously there's this pattern of behavior there and it's not great. But like you said, Phil, he's a 22 year old millionaire. I mean, <laughs> how many of us were making great decisions at 22? Right. And I mean, you know, again, I get it. You get paid to to follow the rules for a week. Like yeah. he should do because the other players had no problem doing that. Right. That we right. know of. Right.
0: Um. <clears throat> So his dad may have like thrown out some, some, right,
1: (laughs) right. Apparently there were others breaking (laughs) (laughs) protocol allegedly, but I mean the hand wringing about it and Landon Donovan's comments really just kind of pissed me off to be honest, because I thought it was way over the top. They were making it out to be something like unforgivable.
0: Yeah. Like, and, he went uh, and, like, contracted COVID and then, like, knowingly gave it to somebody or something like that. Like,
1: right. Like, maliciously
0: which, spreading COVID or something.
1: Right, which, like... I don't even know how you could maliciously spread COVID. Like, that's insane. But, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. I think that the hand-wringing over it was really quite annoying, and, and I found myself just defending Weston after that because it's like, come on. Like, yeah. you know, who's... <laughs> Y'all mad because he pulled? Like I can't.
0: <laughs> um, yeah,
1: no. All joking aside, like he does need to to be a bit more professional. Obviously, because he is a great player and he's important yeah. to to the men. You know, U.S. men's national team setup. But um, hopefully, hopefully, this is just. Something to laugh about yeah. um, come the next group of qualifying matches.
0: And I think I think it spoke volumes too that there was all kinds of talk in in the US like soccer media about oh, like you know, Juve's not happy with his behavior and all this stuff. He <clears throat> started the next game. Like when he yeah. when the international break ended, he was in the starting eleven for Juventus. Like they ultimately they're about results. Like they're going to play, they're going to play their best players. And, and the, and the fact of the matter is that like a lot of stuff that goes on in the national team camps, like I'm pretty sure Juve were probably just happy to have a player back in a, 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 for a few additional days to be able to train like ahead of the <laughs> international break ending because it's grueling out there right now. So, I mean, they were probably just happy to have someone back that they could get in training and get fit for the weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um. So uh, last but not least, we've got we've got at cool Fernie Fernie from uh, from eighth notch from El Paso. Uh, he he hit us with a good one here. And normally Fernie's kind of in it for the for the banter. <laughs> Fernie can be known to troll. But in this one, he actually like he hit us with a good one. And he said, can you spotlight one or two unknown youngsters who are destined to become big players and and Mika for this one we kind of chose teams that are currently in Europe like in European competitions given the the theme of the episode um and chose a couple of folks to highlight so so Mika who did who are you who are you pointing out this week in terms of a a youngster that you think is is going to be big in the future
1: yeah, um I have to to give props to Charles De Ketelaere from uh, Club Brugge, the 20-year-old Belgian attacker. Um he's he's a player that I've actually known about for a little bit now. Um <clears throat> he obviously has won the uh won the league with Club Brugge. He was actually I think young player of the year last year in the Jupiler Pro League. Um and he's I think he's destined for greatness. He's already got his first Belgian cap last year, so obviously he's catching roberto martinez's eye and i just am really intrigued by the possibilities for him because he's kind of gangly um you know oh, well over six feet tall quite quick very technical um if you go and watch the the highlights of him uh against psg i mean he was really trying all kinds of things and in you know running the show a lot in a lot of ways um and um yeah i'm just really excited to see what he turns into cuz he's played on the left he's played as a striker he even played fullback uh at one point and was man of the match <laughs> in a league game last season so yeah. um i i just think this guy's a limit for this player and i'm i'm really excited to see what he does i think the finishing um is not quite there yet he hasn't scored like a boatload of goals but again tactically we'll see how he develops but i think he's got all the tools I mean, he's a physical specimen and and tactical and technical as well. And I yeah. mean, in a lot of ways like kind of like a Haaland type where it's like he's not just like this physical beast. He can actually run with the ball and and do things with it. So, yeah. Um yeah, he's he's really interesting the Belgian.
0: Yeah, he he really stuck out to me like watching the highlights back of that match just how and he actually, I mean, early on he he gets um Gosh, who was it tracking back for PSG? He he presses and he wins the ball, and he actually like nearly gets a man sent off for PSG like early on in proceedings because he's he's through and he gets brought mm-hmm. down, he gets hacked down. I can't remember who committed the foul off the top of my head. Um,
1: was it Paredes? Oh, uh,
0: it may have been, and he he was. <laughs> so Teke was not pleased like with the, when only the yellow came out cuz I think uh cuz I, I think, think
1: there was still one man back. Yeah, so I think they like, they did have yeah. cover
0: so a little a little <laughs> unlucky but um but yeah like his pressing, his energy, his and his ability to like drift in between like and find space um you know when yeah. when they were playing a front two essentially uh sometimes it's not that easy to find space given give, especially given the quality of PSG's defenders. And, uh, yeah, he just, he, he really impressed me with that ability to, to just get on the ball and make himself like a problem for PSG. And, and I think he's a little unlucky a couple of times actually, because Kaylor Navas makes a couple of really good saves to, to keep him from scoring. So, um, yeah, I think it's a great shot. And I, I didn't have much exposure to to him prior to this game. So like seeing him in action, it was like it was pretty eye-opening and being like, whoa, like right. this kid can can ball he and, can and ball. Yeah, and it's gonna be it it's gonna be interesting to see just how long he actually sticks around uh Belgium before before someone, you know, I could see in terms of next steps, like what do you think, you know, making that jump from Belgium, like what what would be like a sensible next step in terms of growth for him?
1: Yeah, I I think I've seen him linked with the likes of uh, Atalanta and AC Milan. I think Serie A would be a great a great next move for him, or even the yeah. Bundesliga. Um, somewhere where he'll play, I think, is the most important thing. But stylistically, yeah. those two those two leagues could be a really good uh, next step for him, and and culturally too. I think it, it'll be easier to to adapt um, staying on the continent, than going straight to the premier league or something like that. So,
0: um,
1: but I wouldn't be surprised either if he gets linked with the Barcelona's of the world, if they run money again, Uh, (laughs) but yeah, he's, he's really an interesting player and I would suggest anyone to, you know, keep an eye on him.
0: So, um, and I mean, plus if he goes to Atalanta or, you know, in theory, inter, he could, he could stay in the, in the blue and in black. The black,
1: <laughs> black and blue. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Bruga famously wearing the, the similar blue and black stripes. So, um, yeah, so sure. maybe he could feel a little bit more at home if he stays, stays in the <laughs> same colors, but, um, yeah, for me, I, uh, I, I chose, um, Elliot Matazo and from, Monaco and a little bit different vibe because he's a, he's a defensive midfielder. So not, you know, the, um, not like the scintillating attacker. Um, I, I thought for a split second, maybe saying Antony from, from Ajax because he is, uh, I do love a Brazilian like playing in, in the Netherlands, but, um, Matazo is really interesting because one, he's come up through Monaco's Academy um belgian belgian born to congolese parents um and in his early days at monaco he's already drawn makalele comparisons somewhat due to his congolese like descent but he uh like that's how they described like they're like when i saw him like it reminded me of makalele which is just like obviously for a defensive midfielder, that's about as good as it gets in terms of comparisons. Sure. Um 19 years old, um, Belgian, and in their match against Sturm Graz uh from Austria in the in the Europa League, Monaco, they w- they win one-nil, but for Matazzo, he plays seventy-three minutes um and completes ninety-two percent of his passes. Um and Of his 12 duels attempted to win the ball, he wins 11 of them.
1: Wow. So just straight up ball winner. Yeah.
0: Two dribbles attempted, two succeeded, um, wins four out of his five attempted tackles, and recovers possession an additional three times. So the dude is like, oh, and three interceptions as well. So he's just like, he's cutting out passes, he's winning duels, like winning the ball in midfield, just absolutely controlling things. And, like, Mob is notorious in its rating scheme for really weighing assists and goals, like, super high and maybe missing, like, other stuff on the field. He, <laughs> he, despite having no involvement in the goal and, you know, no real, like, attacking presence, was rated <laughs> by Mob at an 8.1 for this performance. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, so he was actually the highest rated <laughs> Monaco player, even higher than Diada, who scores the goal like that wins them the game. Um, so it just shows like one Monaco has had one very prominent uh, like defensive midfielder in Fabinho recently come through the club. Um, right. And yeah, Fabinho, along with Mbappe and every, like they won a title with Monaco um for in in Liga. Yeah. Um yeah. and so yeah, Elliot Matazo just already at 19 years old like making an impact in European games and like bossing it. Um and uh there are a couple of like really exciting young midfielders like playing their trade for Monaco. Um Chuameni is like the is the other like big name, um sure. Aurelien Chuameni with who the French um the French international but um but yeah, Elliot Matazo like slowly making a name for himself, and I think he's one to watch out for. And I included this one specifically Fernie because I know that United is still in the market for a DM, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, this Jeez, one was they've been in the market for, for DM you. for this like one,
1: five years.
0: This one especially for you, so you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love the before he in the Monaco? He actually came through Andele, which we know is a freaking talent factory. Yeah. Um. So so that's awesome. I really like that one. Um. And hey, the, the we both picked two Belgians when we did not like consult with each other <laughs> before this. So there you go.
0: No, that's what. And uh it's funny because the other yeah, because the other club I was looking at was uh was Ajax when I was looking at uh at other folks to include. So um. Yeah. Yeah. The low countries just continuing to to thrive <laughs> right, right now. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, uh, I think we're in this really cool moment as well, where we're kind of like in between generations of players. Yeah. And yeah. so we have like mess, like the generation of Messi is, is moving like towards the end of their careers. And obviously like we have some superstars in Holland and Mbappe and like who are still like relatively new, but we even have like this other generation that's kind of bubbling under the surface. Um, because Mbappe and Holland are kind of like the cutting edge of the new generation, but there's still like the rest of it still to come. And, and so it'll be really exciting over the next few years. Cause you're just going to see like the emergence of so many more players who are, um, you know, starting to enter the conversation and, um, and yeah, it's just uh, it, it's just kind of an exciting time to be like at the forefront of like who is the next like actual yeah. superstar.
1: Absolutely, love it. Yeah, great question, Fernie. We'll try. It. He he was asking us to make it kind of like a segment, so maybe we'll do these like kind of like young player chats or scouting reports every now and then.
0: Yeah. No, I love that idea. And especially it's great to have it around like European time too, just because you, you get so much exposure to young players that you might not otherwise be able to see in the, you know, in the other major domestic leagues. So, um, so yeah, no, great shout Fernie, and, and, uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep this one in the, uh, in the rotation, I think for sure. Well, one thing that is always in the rotation, Mika, is the Sounds of the Season playlist. So each yes. week we make our additions to the Sounds of the Season playlist, which you can find on Spotify. Season one, the whole playlist is up. You can find it there, Sounds of the Season, season one. Season two is still in its fledgling stages, so you can be on the cutting edge of that as well. Just like this generation of talent, you can be on this generation <laughs> of the playlist, like be on the cutting edge as you uh, as we start you can follow the playlist on Spotify and it makes it so it updates it like in your in your audio library or whatever, like without you having to do anything, which is pretty cool. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, each week we add a couple of songs. It's a mix of all kinds of different genres, mainly rock like based, but all kinds of different different stuff gets included. Um, So, Mika, this week. What was what what's the vibe like how are how are you feeling about these uh sounds of the season additions?
1: Well, as the first pick is in appreciation of our listeners because they're so gracious to to send us these questions, but Dave Watts said I need to put more skate punk on the list. So I fully agree, Dave. So <laughs> my first addition this week is is the separation of church and skate by No Effects. I mean, how much more skate punk can you get than than No (laughs) Effects, right? Um, So I put that on there. Um, Hope you enjoy it, Dave. (laughs) Hope that's what you were going for. Uh, But I'll keep your suggestion in mind uh, as the season goes on. Yeah. Um, And then the other one I picked is a song called "Mystery" by Turnstile. Um, Turnstile are just like, you know, one of the best like modern hardcore bands out there right now. And they just dropped this new album called glow on, which is incredible. I mean, no skips. Um, (laughs) it's actually quite controversial because they're kind of like, they've played with their sound a little bit. It's not like, it's not like straight up hardcore, like you'd believe. So some of the like older hardcore heads are kind of annoyed by it, but I think it's an incredible album and this is such a good intro track. So I thought I would just add it on there. Um, but yeah, those are my picks for this week. What oh. you got for us Phil? I've
0: got I've got a couple of uh of newer ones. So the first is a band that I actually I I I had to let you know about um because I think it's well documented that Mika is a big Dance Gavin Dance fan and actually <laughs>
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> we're both going to see not at the same show obviously because we're geographically separated but we're both going to <laughs> go see dance Gavin dance in concert when their tour starts up later this year um what a tour by the way like oh. unbelievable um but i had to turn you on to this band galleons because when i heard it like i saw someone talking about it i i pulled it up pulled the album up on spotify um which uh which the album itself is um galleons it's self-titled um right. so <laughs> when i first turned it on i was like did johnny craig who was the original singer of dance game and dance join a different band like d- is this his band because it sounded like him like he had that rasp in his voice it's not him But they have that sound and it's just like such a it's it's so well done. Like the songwriting is so cool. Really varied songs like throughout. So in honor of my confusion over Jose Mourinho and this Roma side, (laughs) I included Galleon's song When in Rome. Um, love it (laughs) and it is yeah so that is my (laughs) that is the first it is like if you're a fan of any sort of like post hardcore post-punk like sort of like that sort of stuff where it's just like kind of groovy and but also like a little bit of like heavy elements some screaming mostly singing like that sort of thing like it's it's a vibe and then more traditional on the more like traditional metalcore side um a band actually from just up the road in michigan spirit breaker uh dropped an album called curanata which is it's just like rippers from start to finish like it's it's a good old-fashioned metalcore like breakdowns but also like some really melodic and just like good riffs and good like good mix of singing and screaming and it's just it's heavy, it's not, it's just like it's all the right pushes all the right buttons for metalcore. So I I I included their uh their song A Cure for Wellness um which is uh basically A Cure for Wellness is a Jesse Lingard backpass in the 93rd minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> and that's my last. That's it. I'm out. That's it. I'm done. I'm, I'm done. No, so, well, listen, um, yeah. The
1: Sounds of the Season playlist, even though we're, it's still early days for season two, it's still a healthy playlist. 12 songs, about 39 minutes. So go check it out. Just yeah. search hardcore football Sounds of the Season on Spotify and it'll, it should pop right up.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and with that, it does bring us to the end. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, um, you know, subscribe to the podcast consider following whatever um spotify apple podcast google play and then find us on twitter um at hxc football um you'll know us by the purple crowned football um <laughs> and uh yeah for uh i i hope uh hope you're able to get out to some football in your area um if you're if you're not enjoy the games this weekend uh on tv i know there's tons more football to come and we'll be we'll be back to to talk about it as the season progresses but um yeah until until then everybody just uh yeah enjoy the games